Oh God, we just sang it. We go to all the world. One name and only one name upon our lips. The name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So what does that mean for us here at Anders University and Anders Academy and Ruth Murdoch Elementary School and Pioneer and this little village in such a big world? Foxhole praying. Teach us. Teach us to pray. That way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Turns out the president of this university, Andrea Luxton, has made a decision. She announced it this last week. This Wednesday, four days from now, will be a day of prayer at Andrews University, at Andrews Academy, at Ruth Murdoch Elementary School, at Pioneer, and in this community. And how should we pray? I say let's pray with foxhole praying. Here we go. Mission impossible, maybe. Foxhole praying. So what's foxhole praying? Well, what's a foxhole? You know what a foxhole is? Yeah, it's a hole. It's a pit. (laughs) It's a trench in warfare beneath which or inside of which soldiers duck for incoming hostile fire. Foxhole praying. Got it right here. Never saw it before until just a few weeks ago. And when I saw it, I said, oh, man, that's not something just to share for yourself. Dwight, you got to share that with your friends. So I'm sharing it with you today. An incredible story. Open your Bible. Open your Bible, please, to the book of Acts. And I'm not putting it on the screen. I told everybody last week, listen, I'm tired of putting all the verses on the screen because nobody's bringing their Bibles. You don't have your Bible? Grab the pew Bible in front of you. There's a Bible for you. Let's go to the book of Acts. Let me tell you something, a very unique pattern that develops in the book of Acts. It goes like this. And by the way, you would never wish to be back in the good old days of Acts. Trust me. Number one, a friend of Jesus performs a miracle. This happens over and over and over again in Acts. Number two, a crowd immediately gathers out of curiosity. Number three, a friend of Jesus, that friend, begins to tell everybody about who this Jesus is, the name and the power that healed this poor sick soul. Number four, the authorities become suspicious because a crowd has gathered and this speaker holding them spellbound. Who is he? Number five, so the friend of Jesus is arrested and examined. So far in the story, check, 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 check. We got five checks. Here comes number six. And either the charges are pressed or the case is dropped. And finally, number seven, check. The disciple is scourged, incarcerated, released, or martyred. That's it. Over and over and over, that same pattern. Book of Acts. So that's what's happening right now. Come on, Acts 4. You got that Bible, that pew Bible in front of you. Acts 4, grab it. Because this story is going to be a YouTube. You're going to see it. When the words are there, you'll just see it in your mind. It's one of the great opening sagas to this book of Acts. Acts chapter 4, verse 1, I'm reading, and the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So what do they do? Yep, True to form, they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put him in jail until the next day. The next day, they bring the boys out. 
I don't know if they're in handcuffs or not, but they're brought to the Supreme Council. This is a Sanhedrin. And under cross-examination, now you're watching this in the YouTube, under cross-examination, here it is, verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame... Hey, wait a minute. You remember that story? They're going to, they're going to prayer meeting at 3 o'clock. They're having a day of prayer there. 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and there's this beggar. You remember that beggar? Born lame, just, just wobbly legs, nothing to them. But he's brought by his family to beg every day. Peter walks by, sympathy in his heart. What can I do for this boy? Silver and gold have I none. How's that end? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give to you. And then what are the following words? In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. And that thick fisherman's wrist from hauling nets all his young life reaches down because there might have been a flicker of, do I do it now? That wrist comes down and grabs that bony skinny arm and yanks him heavenward. And somewhere between down and up, Boom, those legs. Forty years have never felt pressure. Now he stands and he is whooping and hollering and he's, he's yelling, praise God. And the crowd is racing from across those sacred precincts. And you got it. Miracle, crowd, and now the rest follows. Under the duress of cross-examination. I'm telling you, rulers and elders, you're you, you taking this to account for this act of kindness shown to a man who was lame. And we're being asked how he was healed. I'll tell you. Know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, preaching truth to power, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. And then Peter. Now, we're talking about, we're talking about a, a bumbling fisherman, uneducated, unschooled unprepared at this moment, Peter speaks, and out of his mouth comes the greatest magisterial proclamation about the uniqueness of Jesus Christ in the entire universe out of that fisherman's lips, on the spot. Oh, this one's too good. I got to put it on the screen. It's verse 12. Come on. Verse 12, right in front of you. Here it is. Peter speaking under cross-examination. You got the YouTube moment. Salvation is found in no one else, I'm telling you, gentlemen of the jury. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Man, oh man, oh man. Jesus is the only one that counts. That must have been, that must have been the secret of the early church. We don't have silver, we don't have gold, but what we have, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Someday that's going to happen, and you may be the one to speak the words. Hold on, foxhole praying, you'll be ready. All right, the book Acts of the Apostles, though, I love it. Jesus only, speaking of this moment, Jesus only, in these words is contained the secret of the life and power that marked the history of the early church. Jesus only. Jesus, numero uno. Jesus only. Wow. 
So how could this untrained, uneducated fisherman do it? Piece of cake. Jesus told him, yo, Pete, when this happens to you, don't worry about it. Did Jesus really tell him? Yeah. Same author of Acts, Luke, in his gospel, 21, Jesus spoke these words. Not these, this is Nicholas von Zinzendorf. No relation to Peter. But I want this line to go up right now out of place because it shows you what the passion of Jesus means when you have it. I've had these words on my tape to, to my wall in the course of life. I have but one passion, Zinzendorf spoke. I have but one passion. It is he, only he. Peter has one passion. It is he, only he. And under a cross-examination, Jesus, Jesus' promise to Peter absolutely does come true. He's talking to the disciples, but make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. <laughs> Don't plan your little speech in advance. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. He proved it true for Peter. And in the moment that comes for you where you'll be on the spot, and it may be just over a game of pickleball or over a lunch with a business associate or a kid from across the hall that you're talking with, but in that moment when it presents itself, boom. That's what happened to Peter. You think he planned this speech? <laughs> you kid. Wow. So what's going on here? Well, look at verse 13. You have your Bible open. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, this is the Supreme Court, and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I have one passion. That is he, only he. They were men who lived with Jesus. Listen, when you get... Hey, listen. When you get close to Jesus first thing in the morning, this is true about you. How's it work? Well, you get close to him, and people notice. How could that be? Because when you're with Jesus, he speaks through you. And they took note that these men, these two boys, these fisher, fishermen, had been with Jesus. Ah. Well, they're, they're flummoxed. So they have the men leave. They huddle. What are we going to do? This is a mess. This will get out of control. And finally, verse 18, drop down there. They called them back in again. They command them, don't you ever speak again? Don't you ever teach again at all in the name of Jesus? But, Jesus, but Peter and John replied. Both, both John boy and Peter now are replying together. Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? Look at their Pharisees in that Supreme Court. Every Pharisee would tell you, don't listen to us, listen to him. So it's a, it's a no-brainer. Smart question to ask. Which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judge. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen or heard. I thought you said this was about foxhole praying. We're now there. Watch this. They go home. They're released. Would you ever say a word? Not in that name. They go back, drop down to verse 23, and on their release... Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices. In the NIV, it's plural. I don't know what your translation is, but the Greek, it's just singular. And not a lot of voices. There's one voice. They all are praying with one voice. Whatever this foxhole praying is taking place, and we're going to have a day of prayer on this campus and then 
Anders Academy's campus and Ruth Murdoch's campus, whatever this one voice is, there is unanimity apparently in the content of the prayer. Watch this. We listened to Daniel pray last week, didn't we? Now we're listening to a whole room full, the upper room. And by the way, the upper room was huge. I once had the privilege of preaching in that upper room. Archaeologists are absolutely convinced that that is the actual upper room of the Gospels and Acts. It's a huge room. I was so surprised. They're all crowded in there. They've heard the threats, and now they begin to pray. So drop down to verse 24. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. By the way, that's the last line of the fourth commandment. They're Seventh-day people. Sovereign Lord, Creator who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Identical line. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And now quote Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Why do they all rise up against the Messiah whom we serve, the living Christ? Indeed, they go on in that prayer. Herod, that's the half-Jew king. Pontius Pilate, that's the Roman governor, met together with the Gentiles, those are the pagans, and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. And now, that's my next word in my translation, but hold it right there, because here comes, here comes the foxhole prayer. And I'll tell you what's not the foxhole prayer. Have you noticed they haven't said a word about, would you please protect us? They haven't said a word about, would you please deliver us? And what struck me as I have brooded over this this last fall, they don't even say, send down the Holy Spirit. Not a word about the Holy Spirit. They come instead to verse 29, and I'm going to ISO this, this line on the screen for us all. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. I repeat, look at that prayer. No pleading for protection, no praying for deliverance, not even a prayer for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They have one prayer. It is a foxhole prayer that has one passion. Lord, help us help you Win the war. Enable your humble servants to speak your word with great boldness to show the truth about Jesus to those who don't know him. That's it. One prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. You say, ah, Dwight, there's more to that prayer. You left it off. Well, it's true. There's one more verse. I'll show you the verse after in this prayer. It's verse, verse 30. You reduce the prayer to language you and I can speak easily to Jesus anytime. Grant us the boldness to reach lost people for you. That's it. Here's the, ne here's the next verse, verse 30. And stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders. And oh, by the way, next week, avatars, you've heard of avatars, avatars and angels. Everybody's heard of avatars on this planet this new year. 
Stretch out your hand. Don't miss next week. Signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And here's the, the, the conclusion. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I'm telling you, no prayer for protection, no pleading for deliver us from evil, no petitioning, pour out the Holy Spirit upon us. They have one single prayer. Grant us the boldness to reach lost people for you. So what's the lesson here? Two lessons. One, we ought to pray the same prayer. And number two, we've been wrong. We have been wrong, and I finally realized it. You say, what, wrong about what? Well, let me explain. Several months ago, when Karen and I announced that we are bringing our pastorate here at Pioneer to an end, the end of May, this coming May, in the homily that followed, some of you will remember this, in the homily that followed, I happened to mention that for 39 years, there's been one prayer that I've prayed again and again, on and off, I'll be honest, more off sometimes than on. But one prayer that I prayed over these 39 years, and man, nothing's happened. What's that prayer, Dwight? Well, it's the prayer, dear God, would you please revive, would you please revive this wonderful campus, Andrews University, and the Pioneer Memorial Church, and Andrews Academy, and Ruth Murdoch Elementary School. Would you please revive us? Pour out your spirit on us. Well, I received an email instantly. I didn't see it instantly, but the timestamp indicates this person sent the email as soon as I finished my homily. I have no idea who this person is. All I have is a last name. I have no idea where he or she is living on this planet. But I'm going to read the email to you. It's very short. And it goes like this. Sir. I don't mind that. You want to call me sir? Be my guest. (laughs) Sir, FYI, in case you don't know what FYI stands for, for your information, all right? Sir, FYI, from all appearances, Almighty God has been utilizing you and PMC for revival. Perhaps the revival is other than your definition. That's exactly what I said. Mercy. I have no idea who this guy is or girl. But it just hit me like a bolt. What was that line again? Perhaps the revival is other than your definition. And I've been mulling on that. I've been brooding on that. All the fall behind us. Could it be? I have been insisting to God on a definition of revival that is not his definition for today. Man. And then when I discover this prayer that we just discovered, that there's no mention of protection, there's no pleading for, don't let me die, don't let me die, keep me out of prison, don't let anything, don't let any harm or danger come to me. None of that. There's not even a prayer for, send down the Holy Spirit, we're ready down here. None of that. When it hits me as I'm reading this last fall, Acts 4, Could it be we have prayed the wrong prayer? Because I know people all over this campus and community 
who have been praying and praying for God to pour out a spirit on Andrews University and Andrews Academy and Ruth Murdoch Elementary School. And by the way, that is a very appropriate prayer. I'm not dissing the prayer, but it may not be the right one. Grant us the boldness to reach lost people for you. Hmm. Wow. After all, wasn't that... Come on, come on. Now it's dawning on me. Wasn't that precisely what Jesus was saying when his last words are spoken to the 11 disciples on top of the Mount of Olives, red letters in Acts chapter 1, read by our, our praise team a moment ago, our scripture reading, Isn't that what Jesus is saying right here? Come on, look at it. But you will receive power, boys and girls. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And why will the Holy Spirit come on you? Because you will then be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, he's promising us. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, I promise you, not you might be, you may be. No, you will be. Do you understand that? When you have the Spirit of Christ come upon you, you will be, and that's a promise. You will be my witnesses to the people next door, the people in the next state, the people in the next country, to the ends of the earth. I promise you. You will be my witness. Whoo. I guess this is starting to make sense. Which, by the way, is precisely why when the early church engages foxhole praying, there is not a whisper of the Holy Spirit. They have one passion. One passion. Enable. Come on. Grant us the boldness. Enable your servants to reach lost people for you. You say, Dwight, I'm not a servant of Jesus. Oh, yes, you are. Because if you're a disciple, you're a servant. Well, I'm not even a disciple. Oh, yes, you are soon. Because what's disciple? Follow Jesus. Some of you are here and you're not following Jesus yet. But you came because some friends came. And it seems the right thing to do on a religious institutionalized campus. You're going to become a friend of Jesus, I can tell just by looking at you. He's already marked you. He's got big plans for you. I'm telling you what. And guess what? When he calls you, here's what you become. He grants to you boldness to reach lost people for him. Ah, Help us help you save the lost. That's what the prayer is. Help us help you win the war. Help me help you reach the people on this campus who are in my little circle. Help me reach them for you. That's it. So rather than praying for revival to look like 1971-1972, because that's when the big revival happened at Andrews University. I was not here. I was at Southern. And we got the word. Something's happened at Andrews University. The great Andrews University. The great Andrews University. Something's happened. 
friend of mine came up to me after first service and he said, Dwight, I was here. I was a student when that revival took place. They had a chapel one day, and all of a sudden, I don't know. I've read the records over and over again. I've had my staff. We've poured over this. How could we do this again? How could we do this again? Somebody got up in chapel and gave a testimony. Somebody came behind her and gave a testimony. Somebody came, became behind him and gave a testimony. And this chapel went for two to three hours long, right here in the Pioneer Memorial Church. What's going on here? I don't know. Apparently, somebody was praying. My friend, Skip McCarty, who came up to me and told me he was a student here, he said, you know what? They were meeting in the student center at night. And some of those meetings went all night. And listen to this. They are praying for lost people on this campus. They're praying. They're praying for students by name that are lost. And they know they're lost. Because I was lost until something happened to me. And someone must have been praying for me. They're praying all night long. And you know what's happening while they're praying all night long? Kids are crawling out of bed, coming down to that center and saying, I don't know why I'm here, but I just feel impressed to be here You can't do that. The president of the university cannot legislate that. The pastor of the church cannot say, now we will do that. It is spontaneous. But you have to pray the foxhole prayer. What is that prayer? Grant me the boldness to reach lost people for you. And kids are praying all night long while others are coming from the dorms in response to those prayers. My, oh, my, oh, my. I'm not dissing on praying for the Holy Spirit. Nope. I'm just saying if you're waiting for warm fuzzies and the, and the chance to say we had a revival at Andrews, that ain't what we're waiting for. We need more. We're living at the end of time. Do you understand that? We are living at the end of time. I don't care if you believe it or not. We're still living at the end of time. And if Jesus came tonight, would you be ready? I'm talking to you up there. I'm talking to you in the back. I'm talking to you watching on live stream right now. If Jesus were to come tonight, would you be ready? Only you can answer that. No, the president did a wise maneuver, a decision she made to call this campus to prayer this Wednesday and the two other campuses in our orbit here. Uh, can God make you bold? Are you kidding? I'm going to run these by you real fast before I sit down. I'm going to give you five promises from Holy Scripture that will give you the assurance that it is God's will for you to become bold. You haven't been bold yet. You have not been bold yet. You know it and I know it. But he's going to make you bold. Five promises. Jot these down real quick. I'll leave them up just long enough to quote them. And you can check them out later. Psalm 138, verse 3. Oh, this is something. David writing, When I called, O God, you answered me. You greatly emboldened me. You, apparently, you can ask to be bold. You greatly, in response to my prayer, you emboldened me. This is the new NIV. Now, here's the old NIV, which I really like too. You made me bold and stout-hearted. Wow, that's a, that's a promise to be bold. Here's another one. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 1. The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a... Whoa. 
a lion. Come on, I'm not making that up. There's a boldness that happens in your soul. When you pray the foxhole prayer. Happened to me just this week. I'm in a group. We're having an intense conversation. And the Spirit says, say something. And I said, I haven't prepared anything to say. He said, I don't care what you prepared. Just say something. And so I opened my mouth. And I'm telling you what. Something came out. I guess it was the right something to say at that moment. <sighs> Make me bold. Oh, I love Daniel 11. This is the New, Kings, New, New King James rendition. The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Well, that's good. Oh, of course I'm going to put Acts 4.31. That, that is a huge promise right here in the ending to the story. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God boldly. That's a promise. Girl, you do that, I'll, I'll take care of you. That boldness you want, boy, I'll take care of you. That's what Jesus just said. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You don't have to speak in tongues when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You don't have to see visions when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You don't even have to heal people to prove the Holy Spirit comes on you. The Holy Spirit comes on you when you ask. Not with warm fuzzies. He's just there for one mission, to enable you, sir, to be bold in your witness for Jesus. That's his one mission. Oh, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. My, oh, my, oh, my. How does it work? Well, I'm going to show you right here because Dr. Luke apparently is trying to make a point. Twice in the same gospel, he makes the, he quotes Jesus almost identically. Why would you bring it back? We just saw it in Luke 21. Turn the 21 around. Go to Luke 12. He has already made this promise. But apparently the promise is so critical that Luke includes it twice. Now here's the other one. We went to Luke 21 a moment ago. Here's Luke, 20, Luke 12, verse 11. I love this in the New Living Translation. Take a look at this. Jesus speaking to his friends. You're a friend of Jesus. I'm a friend of Jesus. Oh, and by the way, boys and girls... When you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, remember that pattern in Acts? That just goes with the turf. When things get moving again in the church of God on earth, this pattern will repeat. Can't help it. Because the enemy is furious at emboldened young adults. He is furious at teens who are emboldened. He is furious at senior citizens who suddenly have become emboldened for Jesus. He's furious. He said, I'll shut you up. That's why the promise is good for you and me. Jot it down, Luke 12, 11. Yeah, I left off the 12 here, 12, 11, and, and 12. And when you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. For, here it is, the Holy Spirit will teach you what needs to be said even as you are standing there. No prep. No, no cliff notes. No, nothing on my iPhone. Nothing. Where, 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 where do I turn? Nothing. You have no time to turn. Speak for me. Speak for me. Now. And if you, if you obey that conviction, I promise you, 
It may feel haltering, faltering right at the beginning. No, 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 no. You just keep putting one word in front of the other and suddenly a string of words will be given to you with your free choice being exercised the entire time. It's called foxhole praying. The bullet. Praying in a war. That's what we'll do Wednesday. Foxhole praying. That's what we do in church. Foxhole praying. Wow. Imagine what would happen if Andrews University and Andrews Academy and Ruth Murdoch Elementary School and Pioneer were filled with people who every morning prayed, Oh, God, grant me to be bold for you in sharing Jesus. Just grant it to me. Enable me. This is the revival we need. This is the one. We don't need 71, 72. No, we don't need it. We don't need it. We need 2023. And that's a revival, he promises. To imagine a generation of young warriors. I'm, I'm looking at some of them right here. A generation of young warriors boldly speaking and sharing Jesus with their world anywhere on campus. They're ready. Because you just sat down at the cafeteria beside a lost person. And three minutes into your conversation, you know this is your moment. Speak for me. And you will. You say, ah, how's it go with Mission Impossible? Your mission, should you choose to accept it? What have we been saying? To make ready a people, prepare for the Lord. That was last week. The mission is clear. Make a people ready. You say, no, that's not my mission. My mission is to teach teach biology here. Well, of course it is. No, my mission is to teach accounting here. Well, good. I teach PT. Good for you. My mission is to teach the humanities, the arts, you know. Good. But every one of those subjects are your entree to young minds that have been enlisted by the God of the universe to fight for him. And the opportunity will present itself in the course of one semester for you to reach that boy, that girl, and instill a boldness for Christ. You can do it. Just be bold. Find yourself saying something in front of the class you never thought you would say, but you just did. Good for you. Now, that's what revival will look like one day, I do believe. Well, thank you, Dr. Luxton, for your appeal for us to join this day of prayer. And we will join you Wednesday. Oh, man, the world's a mess right now. You saw the communique that she sent out. She said, uh, she said, I just was at a meeting in San Francisco of all college presidents, secular, public, whatever. She said, I couldn't believe you, saw, you read it. I could not believe the, 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 just, just this sense of uncertainty, kind of a grayness in the air. Public education, private education, I've never seen a hit like this post, post-pandemic generation is facing. And by the way, it's not just education, it's healthcare. I got a, I got a son who works in a healthcare system. He's a physician's recruiter. Healthcare has taken a huge hit. Any institution today, church entities, please. It's right to have a day of prayer. It's not an admission of anything except, dear God, we need your help now.
That's the only admission you'll make. It's foxhole praying. You want a foxhole prayer to lift up? Here it is. Oh, God, enable me to be bold for you in sharing Jesus. Here's your prayer to take home. Psalm 50, verse 15. Call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you. That's God speaking, and I will honor you. Wednesday, all across this campus, Andrews Academy, Ruth Murdoch, Pioneer, Community, we're going to have a day of prayer. Hey, Dwight, are we supposed to fast for this? It's your choice. No one's requiring it. It's your choice. Here's what I'm learning about fasting, because I'm still experimenting with it myself. I have found that fasting focuses your mind, sharpens your prayers, and scatters the clutter and clatter of distractions. Here's, here's what fasting does. Just like a laser. Why wouldn't God love to have his kids come to him with laser attention? Of course. Fasting will hurt me. I'm just looking at you. I don't think you'll be hurt. I think you'll survive. I tried to be careful where I looked. Come on. Then at the end of the day, five o'clock in this beautiful sanctuary, we're going to gather. All students are being invited, all staff. All faculty, all administrators, all chaplains, all pastors, all community members, we're going to gather here at 5 o'clock, and the president himself will, will address this group. And we will lift up our voices. Plural will become singular. One voice will be lifted up to God, a foxhole prayer. Call on me in the day of trouble, you say. We claim it. For you have promised I will deliver you, Andrews University. And you will honor me, Andrews University. You will honor me. Okay. So I'm going to sit down. The place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God boldly. May that be the truth about you and me and us together. Right now.